Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. They have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the Bernabeu blinks it back! I haven't got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Football. Oh, what a start! What I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. Nigel Rio Coker, Jonathan Johnson, and Michael LaHood in the house. Before we go anywhere else, Nigel, you don't look so happy. What's wrong with you, man? <laughs> it's the beauty of the game that we love, Ian. Some results that I predicted didn't quite go my way, and it was very disappointing to see, but it's why we love football. Yes, exactly why we love football. Uh, JJ, Marseille, I don't even know how to explain that. We're getting stuck into it in a minute, but not good for French football right there, that finish. Yeah, really, really disappointing from a French football perspective. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of acrimony uh, towards Igor Tudor and some of his decisions tonight. And obviously that Kalazanac miss late on that really rubs salt in the wounds of our lifelong Marseille fan. Michael Hood, watching your team, uh, disappointing. Uh, you know, it, it's the growing pains of being a new Marseille fan. I, I'm, I was speechless with the class and that's miss. I'm still trying to process it. Uh, definitely be having a beer as I do the rewatch of the match. It just boggles my mind how they blew it. Well, let's get straight into it. SSB28, you're the right person to make that first comment there. Yo, what's up? Wow, 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 boys. <laughs> crazy, crazy game. Let's get stuck into Group E action. I mean, this was absolutely insane. JJ, I got to come to you first because we're discussing Marseille losing to Tottenham Hotspur in that last-minute winner, thanks to Pierre-Emile Hoiberg. Um, it was a great game overall, end-to-end -end action. And this is what we want from Champions League match day six, right? Awesome football, end-to-end -end action, last-minute winners. Just disappointment and joy all around the Champions League. But, of course, it was disappointing for Marseille, but fantastic for Spurs. Yeah, I mean, great to have the emotions. I'm not sure I'd put that up there with Spurs' best performances that I've ever seen. It was pretty difficult to watch for large, large swathes of the game. But to be honest, that, that kind of makes the disappointment even greater for Marseille. Because Marseille, I, I really feel... I mean, they, they should have come out of that with at least at least a draw and a place in the Europa League, you know, to come away with mm. absolutely nothing. I mean, it's the kind of punishment that you deserve when you miss a chance like the Kalazinac one. You also yep. have to recognize that Hugo Lloris was in fantastic form, made a couple of really, really good saves in the first half. But it's not good enough. I'm sorry, it's not good. And I know people will say like, oh, you're piling on Marseille, it's PSG bias, whatever, but it's not... It's so rarely good enough from Marseille. 
at this level. And they they did phenomenally well to to get it back to a position where they could go through. Uh, I didn't think they would would be at that point after they conceded two minutes in at home to Sporting, and then to be sort of masters of their own fate going into the last you know half of football one nil up uh, through Mbemba, great header, and they managed to That's throw it away. They deliver they they deliver that dreadful second half. I mean, sorry, it's unforgivable. And looking at the way that Marseille's last couple of weeks have gone with the results. Igor Tudor is now under major, major pressure. Michael, you take it away because obviously watching yeah. from a Marseille's perspective there, they had it in their hands. Kolasinac tucks that away. They are dancing through to the knockout. So that's major disappointment. And as JJ talks about it, can't afford to miss big chances like this in this competition. Well, if you look at the first half, credit to Hugo Lloris for standing on his head practically. Alexis Sanchez has a good look at goal, and Veritude has a left-footed volley that I thought was destined for the back of the net. But it was almost as if two teams came out of the halftime locker room. I wonder what that halftime talk was from Tudor. It, it seemed like it was more, let's not mess this up rather than let's go for the kill because they they played scared, they played rattled, and Spurs became the aggressors. When they got that goal, mismatch on the header with Langley, I couldn't believe it. I will never stand for that. How do you not have someone who is of the right size to mark Clement Langley, who's one of the biggest players for Tottenham on the field? You have one of the shortest guys on the field marking him. That's down to the players, that's down to the manager, and down to the goalkeeper for not organizing it. It's just not good enough. And just when I was watching the match thinking, okay, at the end of the day, maybe Marseille is a Europa League team. The kiss of death that I've had surrounding me all week long since I came mm -hmm. back from France, maybe I should go to Italy, England, or somewhere else next time to bring luck. All my teams are crap right now. It's because you hang out with JJ. That's why you got that, mate. You know, did you, JJ, did you, JJ, did you, did you happen to take a stop off over in Scotland while we were at it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I stopped at uh, eyebrows. <laughs> Nigel, real quickly before we get on to Tottenham, I mean, this is just a massive victory for Spur fans out there. If you're out there watching him, please drop yeah. in a comment how you feel right now. Antonio yeah. Conte has now won as many Champions League games in charge of Tottenham, uh, three from the six games as he did for Inter and Chelsea. I mean, Job well done from Antonio Conte. I mean, this is sensational to see them through to the knockout stages, no? Yeah, let me break it down for you quickly. Tottenham have been horrible to watch in the Premier League and they've been horrible to watch in the Champions League. It wasn't great football. One of our colleagues made an actual fantastic tweet about Harry Kane. If he dropped any deep, he'd be in the Mediterranean, which absolutely amused me. I make fun of Tottenham all the time, you know, the West Ham history and everything like that. The nearly team. They didn't look like they were going to do it. But I did back them to win today. And today and tomorrow, it's all about the result. Oh, that's one, that's, what, that's one prediction out of about seven yeah, or eight. Yeah. <laughs> you did back them. How many times have we heard that? I on did back Tottenham show? to win today. Uh, you know what? I, I backed did, them to win I, today. Who, who else did I you did back them to win the Lone Door? We can all say again as usual. One at a time, please. <laughs> we can all say again. They didn't play great. They weren't great to watch. But they got the job done which is all we're going to talk about right now. So yeah. people could say what they want to say. JJ can throw little shots, but at the end of the day, your Marseille <laughs> and Michael, your Marseille is out of Europe and doing absolutely nothing but twiddling their thumbs. Well, they, they, weren't, job done. they weren't good enough, but one player I, I want to give praise on for Tottenham Hotspurs, when you look at the goal scoring charts going into the season, you would have never guessed that Rodrigo Bentacor would be one of your goal scoring threats. I thought he was brilliant in the second half. He was just like a rabid dog chasing everything down, winning balls and showing a different side to his game. 
traveling with the ball, taking space, and it forced OM to drop back. And that take and you guys all know this. It, it just tires you out. It frustrates you when you have to run 60, 70 yards to recoup the ball. And the game started getting stretched. Harry Kane. Harry Kane does not look up to speed in the Champions League. Maybe it might be a formation shift that they need to do. He had some golden looks. He did get the assist on the Horbier goal, but he he, he wasn't sharp enough. And Harry Kane, do, do you want me to, do me to throw an extra an extra tiny knife in there on Horbier? Get an assist. You know, you know, you know, you know that he's got French roots as well, right? Don't you tell me, OM. You think he cares, JJ? Right about now. Don't tell me, OM. I'm steaming right now. I said I, I said I was gonna have my beer and then let some steam off, but Listen, I'm lads, steaming right got now. Got a French man. Let me just say this before we move on quickly, right? Let's be real about this. It's the last match day. We all know in this type of situations for the teams, depending on your situation, it's like a cup final. Marseille at home with all that crowd nonsense we saw, letting off fireworks and all types of things at the Tottenham players' hotel just to make them uncomfortable making them uncomfortable at the stadium. They should have got the job done. They really should have got yeah. the job done, but they didn't. So Yeah, yeah the but day, Nigel, it's, it's still Tottenham that they're playing against here. Tottenham, difficult team to no, beat. I'm, it's not an easy I'm game. Not, I'm, not, I'm not disputing that, but Tottenham, uh, Tottenham haven't been great exactly. And let's be real, they haven't been sensational. And a team like Newcastle will manage to beat Tottenham in the Premier League. I know it's the Champions League right now. The problem I'll say has been inconsistent. I'm sure obviously JJ and Mike know a lot more than me when it comes to Marseille, but when you're playing at home, it's that home advantage of the last game, just getting that result, you should have been able to do it. Yeah, I just wonder if the injury is going to be um, severe to Son or not. That's obviously a worry for Tottenham Hotspur fans out there, but they'll be dancing all the way back to London tonight after that. They probably have to take their time. I mean, listen, before we go anywhere else, JJ, what is it like in Marseille right now? I mean, it must be a little bit dangerous trying to leave that stadium for the players at this moment in time. Certainly not a, a nice feeling being around uh, Marseille at the I, moment. I, I, I don't know, but I'd love to be able to fly a drone over it. Get some video stocked up, you know, listen to the silence that's fallen across the city. I mean, no, look, I, I could revel in the, the, the Marseille exit if I wanted to, but it's, it's, it's a horrendous result for French mm. football to not just lose Marseille from the Champions League, but to lose them from European competition, you know, that that is especially in the last 30 seconds of the game. It's it's a disaster. You know, there's no there's no two ways around it. And the Marseille fans, well at least the Marseille fans that I can see on Twitter, absolutely fuming about that. Oh, producer Des has come up with a nice statistic right here. Go ahead, Nigel. You can read it out, Nigel. You do it. You do it. Go on, mate. (laughs) All right. Spurs had no touches in the opposition penalty area in the first half, but finished top of the group with the last (laughs) kick of the game. That one coming. Sounds a lot like Mourinho ball. (laughs) It's Tudor ball. That, that's it's what it's mass. come down to. It, it, I, I, I just, just to, as we move, before we move on to the Frankfurt match, it, when the first half, the chances that weren't finished, I thought maybe around the 60th minute mark, he would bring on just reinforcements. This is a Marseille team that has three-fourths of everything you need to take that next step. They just don't have enough finishers. Alexis Sanchez playing as the striker. He needs someone to play off of. This team is dying for a striker. They need, well, actually, they do have a striker. They just don't play him uh, in Baba Dieng, which that needs to change after this match. But it, it just boggles my mind. Uh, you know, I, gosh, this is why you have therapy. And six yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like you need to check into rehab, mate. <laughs> I should have gotten. I should have gotten Lance. I should have gotten Lance. Damn it! I don't think it will be the only Marseille fan wanted to check into rehab after this type of result as well. It's certain disappointment right there, and disappointment for French football, but also to the benefit 
of German football. Let's turn our attention to the other match in the group, which of course was another cracking watch. I actually paid most of my attention to the Eintracht Frankfurt victory over Sporting Lisbon. Uh, Lisbon got the opening goal 39 minutes in. Artur Gomez, a 24-year-old Brazilian with his second ever goal for Sporting. Both of them coming in the Champions League. Daichi Kamara continues to score goals for Frankfurt, continues to get them in the competition. 12 goals already this campaign. And then, of course, they got the winning goal from that man once again, Colum Wani. Wow! It was brilliant. I thought it was a fantastic performance. I'm very happy, obviously, for German football, but I'm really happy for the traveling Frankfurt fans in particular to watch a game like that when Frankfurt get the victory. <laughs> Nigel, I'm coming to you first on this one here. Bit of a disappointment from Sporting's point you of view. Come to me. You, <laughs> you, you take that, Ian, mate, because I was glancing over this game. I thought Sporting would do it. And the thing with me is, it's not that I'm anti, anti-Frankfurt. It's when you look at certain teams, for me, it's the inconsistency of Frankfurt, of what I've seen domestically and in, in, in this competition. And I just didn't think that they probably would be able to get the job done. And again, it's knowing what's at stake with how good Sporting have been so far in this competition, having that home field advantage, you would think that they'll definitely get the job done. You know, Frankfurt is still a younger side. Sporting, you probably say, have the bit more experience than Frankfurt do. But Frankfurt are proving to be a fantastic cup competition side, really and truly. Maybe, maybe, well, maybe I, a European side more than anything. Yeah. Go ahead, Jay. No, I, I just oh, want to say perfect. something about the inconsistency comment. They've won. They've lost one match in their last five. Yep. That's not inconsistent. They've started to figure it out. I think a big okay, wrinkle. You say you, when I say that inconsistent, Michael, I'm talking about more so you'd expect with what they've done last year in Europe and everything for them to be really compete, competing in the Bundesliga high up the table. Yeah. Still, uh, that's and, a good and they're point. still not kind of up there. They're not someone you're going to say is going to win the Bundesliga this year or really going to compete to push Bayern. Yeah, you know, they well, finished like mid-table in the Bundesliga last year and went on to yeah. win Europa. It's almost as if a club like this can only focus on one competition because yeah. they don't have the depth to be able to deal with multiple competitions. I mean, they're only in the Champions League because of their success in the Europa League, making yeah. it five uh, Bundesliga teams, by the way, who ended up in this season's Champions League. And, and to see what four of them potentially going through is quite sensational for German football. But this is a massive credit to a club like Eintracht Frankfurt. Getting to the knockout stages is absolutely huge for them. It's huge for the Bundesliga because everyone says it's a one-team a one league and, and Bayern will probably win the league again this year. But to see them doing well in European competition, competing in the Champions League, to get to the knockout stage is absolutely sensational. And the way that they did it, I think Oliver Glasner deserves so much more credit than he's getting. Still probably a mid-table team in the Bundesliga they will be. But if he focuses on the knockout stage now in the Champions League, certainly wouldn't want to face Eintracht Frankfurt, that's for sure. No, you wouldn't. And, uh, you know, they will feel buoyed as well by this success. Uh, fantastic to see uh, Kolo Moani with that finish and to hear the the traveling fans roaring after he scored that goal. Um, but not to detract from what Eintracht, uh, you know, managed to do in this game uh, and ultimately in this group stage. But was nobody looking at Sporting's form, uh, like coming into yeah. this game? Because I, I like, honestly, yeah. I got asked to go on HQ to defend my decision to predict that Frankfurt would win this game. Yet when you look at the form, yeah. like, apart from their opening two games, Sporting have, have they got what, one, one point from uh, like a possible 12. Uh, that's mm -hmm. yeah. awful. They're sixth in the league. They lost their game coming into this one. I mean, I know that Amarim is a very highly rated coach. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not knocking him. It's, you know, down to to, to the players. I mean, I, I looked at that performance. The goal that they scored to go ahead against Eintracht, it, it was a pretty sloppy finish. You know, very scrappy. Yeah. 
it's definitely not the same sporting that we saw in those opening two games. I, To be honest, Love I think it. sporting are really, really lucky that they're even through into the Europa League tonight. Oh, yep. absolutely. I think a player that they missed was Gunclavas. He got a red card, and he's the red card king of the Champions League in this group stage. And <laughs> if, if you're the manager, you're having to go with him. That's the first player I would pick out at training and just rip him to shreds because he was a player that could have gotten him the second goal. He's part of that triumvirate, him, Edwards, and Trincao. Trincao on the bench. They It just didn't seem to be the same belief in this sporting team, and the stadium was just dead silent when Colomani got that goal. Love this kid. He's he's going to be just he has to be in the plans for the French World Cup squad at some given point because he's delivering in the Bundesliga and more importantly in the Champions League. But for sporting, it just wasn't there today. The, the, the recent form, not just in the league, but in the cup, they lost their, their cup game one nil. Mm-hmm. There's there's mm-hmm. a bit of issues here with this team. And like I said, very fortunate to be even in European competition. Ah, I'm going to go back to but OM, but I'll save that jump- for a weekend preview. Mike, just to jump in that, what you and JJ said, 100% right, but there's a lot of teams very similar to that in this last round of the Champions League. There's a lot of teams where it's just been so indifferent, their domestic form hasn't been great, and it just hasn't kind of worked out where you still expect with the quality that they have, you know, you still expect them to do well. Yep. I agree with you, Nigel. Uh, But enough of teams who are actually knocked out of this competition and going to the Europa League. Let's talk about the teams that are through, and that is Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, Eintracht Frankfurt finished the top uh, in the group stage with 10 points. Uh, Best record of any side in their first appearance in the competition in six years since Leicester City did it in 2016-17 with 13 points. They do, however, finish behind Tottenham in their group. Let's move ahead to another interesting and entertaining group. It was a cracking match, obviously, between Liverpool and Napoli. Uh, Napoli undefeated across all competitions coming into the game at Anfield. I'm sure many people went for Napoli to win in this game, but Liverpool was just kind of hoping at some stage here, Nigel, that they would get a good performance, and they did. They put out a good performance. Napoli played well in this game, no doubt about it, but this was a really good watch, this one. Ian, it was a good game. That's the best way to put it. I think from both teams, it was great. I think Napoli were free-flowing, fluent as they was. They started the game so well. Gualascale down that left side was starting causing problems. And you see even 10 minutes into the game, every time he got that ball high up left, there was about three or four Liverpool players around him because they didn't want him to have any influence. It was so open. It was. I was very surprised at Liverpool's performance. I'm going to say something that people might think it's all funny or whatever, but the reality of it is Liverpool were made fun of by domestic pundits about their performance against Leeds and how they were basically bullied, how they were soft. I saw so much aggression in the first five, 10 minutes of that game from Liverpool players that I hadn't seen, whether it's the previous Champions League games or so, or even domestically. So that Mm -hmm. resonated. I know for people not listening, the British press, when it comes to football, is very powerful. There's a lot that gets said and sometimes it can rub players the wrong way. And there was a, so much aggression shown to the Napoli players. Is that really I the mean, case though, Nigel? You've, you've dealt with that obviously personally at first hand. I mean, I played lower leagues in, in England. Never it gets to in. the highest level in England. Does it get to you? Do you do, does it, it, it doesn't get, get to you. It doesn't get to you, but it gets in and it's a point. I think because when you look at the games change now so much that everyone can watch football all over the place. They can see the camera angles everywhere now. And just competing and being physical, which is something that Napoli do very well as well. When it comes to defending, I've never seen people go and close a player down and stick mm-hmm. their hand out, which is what I used to do. Pushing people, pushing. You're allowed to do it. Have a stiff arm. That's what mm-hmm. I saw from Napoli. And then Liverpool players were just competing. It was a great game of football. Uh, Dai Nunes got the, the, the second goal in the end. Mo Salah got the goal as well. It was a, a bit of a scrappy goal for Napoli to concede. And I think for me, 
either from either side's perspective, you'd probably be happy. Napoli probably won't be happy that they lost, but still they won't be too distraught. And, but uh, but a Nap- but a Nap- did not Napoli not have a case that you know their pa- their goal which could have been the yeah, opening goal, goal of the match should have slid. Me, I mean I it was what it was so like a, a shard of uh, Ostigard shirt that was that's what annoys me about it as well. Before I let someone else jump in, for yeah. me we're trying so hard to make an imperfect game perfect because for me a goal of that quality you just got to give the benefit of the doubt to the attacker, just an mm-hmm. arm or shoulder out. Is he was offside, Nigel. That for offside. No, Come bullshit. Bullshit. He he's offside. An arm. He's offside. Yeah. He's arm. No, he is. He's, he's off. It's, Vic, it's, it's not it's the shit. Victor Osiman. Victor Osiman is also offside on that play. And the inner Canate, it's offside. It's marginal, but it's still offside. The, the game has changed. We're Now we're using technology. One player that I want to go to, and it signifies his importance to this Napoli team. I, I agree with everything you said about the end-to-end atmosphere. Match day six to see both teams go for it. Loved it. One player, though, that that I just – when you see him go off and then goals go in, Labatka, this is one of the unsung heroes of this Napoli team. He's a rock in that middle of the park. And when he goes off, and Gisa now is going from a box-to-box presence, going back into a limited role. Zielinski comes in. He's more of an attacking midfielder. And, you know, Liverpool, they have every single reason. They had more to play for in this match to prove yeah. a point, to come back from the Leeds match, Anfield behind them. The pundits, as you said, looking for a reaction. And for Napoli, so much has gone right for them. This is not, this is a blemish on a small blemish on the record. How, I look for how they react to the Atalanta game. I wonder if the changes that were made, Osiman comes off as well. If the Atalanta game at the weekend, that is massive for mm-hmm. their title run in. I wonder if that one eye to the match kind of got in the ears of the players at halftime saying, okay, no one get injured. Don't do anything crazy. Let's just get out of here. If we get a draw, great. If we get a win, great. Let's look to the weekend. I mean, I think there's a lot of different uh, you ways you can look at it as well, though. I mean, look at it sort of glass half, glass half full for Napoli. Uh, you know, they still finish top of the group. They get a reality check uh, ahead of a really important domestic game as well. And if Big that point. is sort of the worst kind of result that they're going to get between now and the World Cup break coming, you know, they, they, they'd have taken it. I mean, sure, I think. 2-0 perhaps wasn't necessarily a, an accurate reflection of the way that the match went over 90 minutes. But at the end of the day, it's not terminal to, to their chances in the Champions League. They're going through, they're going through top. It wasn't enough to get Liverpool into, into first place. So, you know, for me, I think that for Napoli now, that is sort of the moment that many people have kind of been waiting to happen. And now we're going to see, uh, you know, and I'm sure Spalletti will be very keen to see how his players pick themselves up and react as well, because if you are going to lose, uh, you know, and sort of be made to realize that you're not invincible, uh, you know, it's in that kind of game where the stakes are relatively low. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was nice going to say, quick, Go ahead, quickly, Nigel. I was say um, basically, I think for me, when you look at that game and what was at stake, it's very hard. As much as a player wants to create that winning environment, that winning mentality, you do feel like Mike said, maybe the players know the job's done and it kind of just be, becomes a showcase game. It's like play to a standard of what's expected and then whatever the result will be, will be. That's how I feel it can be at times because there's nothing really to gain for it. It's not really a cup. Fight. I think if there was a more, lot more at stake, we would have seen a complete different and probably a lot more aggressive Napoli side. So I think that it's just playing to a high standard as you can. And I'm sure they'll probably learn more from it than not. But again, can't take Can you not give credit to Liverpool point. at all, though, Nigel? Can you not give I'm credit to say, I mean, Can that's I finish? A ma- that's a massive <laughs> win. I was just about to say, I give credit to Liverpool's performance because of what I've seen from Liverpool recently in the Premier League. I say I give credit. They kept, they competed. 
They look good at times. And it was a good performance. It's a win. It's a, it's a big win for them. A real big, big win. Hopefully they can keep the confidence from this and, and go on. Still don't look I'm, not quite, more, do I'm not quite convinced. I'm not, I'm not. So we talk about this Liverpool side getting a result against a Napoli team that has nothing to play for because they've already topped the group. Napoli fully, I believe, fully focused, giving a good account of themselves, still fully focused on the Atlanta game. Liverpool's then, what, then why didn't they rest players then, Michael? Why didn't they change the lineup completely? Because they, they haven't really changed the lineup. That's what Napoli do. They don't rotate as much. Given injury woes have been the they only thing. Osman being out. Mate. They can rest at Christmas. This is a team that doesn't have that many players going to the World Cup. So they, they've been, that's a Spalletti way. He plays his core players. He's not one to rotate until someone gets injured or goes out. I think we will learn more about this Liverpool side. Yes, they get the result. But let me see what they do against Tottenham. We've seen this yeah. before. They get one result and then piss it away in the next game. I'm not convinced yeah. yet. Yeah, that's a big game to look forward to this weekend coming up against Tottenham. we got a couple of great questions coming in. Not questions, really statements more than anything else. Um, SSB28 says he disagrees. If you're a fingernail offside, you're off. No bending the rules for me. That one's directed at you, Nigel. He also <laughs> says, I think it's good, though, for Napoli in a way. They are getting the loss out of their sim system and that they can bounce back. Liverpool subs changed the game and Nunes has to start from now on great points thank you very much for your comments coming in if you're watching house of champions right now please make sure you let your comments be known if you've got a question for the boys drop it in as well uh, rangers uh, terrible uh, loss to ajax amsterdam at home by three goals to one uh Berguy's got open opening goal four goals in his last four all competition second in the champions league uh mohammed kudus uh, michael just continues oh. to be on fire he scored oh. one goal he got one assist probably should have had a second goal uh francisco concesal wrapped things up obviously tavernier got a penalty kick as well in between there but all round awful performance from Rangers excellent to see Kudus uh, play well but from these two teams simply not good enough Ajax move on to Europa Michael yeah I love this kid and how he started the Champions League at like a house on fire he finishes it with a quality performance disappointing as you said to see the, the complete performance from Ajax started well and then just went sideways when it looked like they were going to be the surprise alongside Napoli of the league Liverpool being the ones to fall by the wayside but Kudus the price tag keeps going up. This guy's an attacking midfielder. He plays attacking, playing as a false nine for Ajax. The first goal, the awareness of where space is, where the runner is. I love that. But also the killer instinct to take it on himself. I'm going to have a little bit of a pop at one of your guys. Friendly pop, of course. This is a family show. James Sands, what are you doing? Yep. What do you make of that? The defending on the second goalie. In. It's not good enough. Champions League level is not good enough. Rangers were hey, speaking of being at the level of uh, of Champions League, I mean, I know that the headline is Rangers being awful, you know, historically the worst Champions League side ever. But, you know, is this also not kind of like a bit deceiving for Ajax? You know, are they not lucky that they were drawn in the same group as this very poor Rangers side? Because I, I feel like Ajax are going to drop into the Europa League and because they'll be unseeded, they could come up against, you know, a pretty tough draw straight off the bat. Uh, and I think they might struggle this year. I mean, we know we've we've gone through the reasons why they're finding it a bit more difficult this season. You know, they were absolutely stripped bare again over summer, you know, worse than than usual. But to me, it just feels like, I mean, you look at Tadic, I mean, he lost the ball, what, 15 times this evening? Yeah. You know, that is not, not at all like the great Tadic that we've seen the last couple of years who was so key to that Ajax team being a, as brilliant as they've been. It really feels like, almost kind of pushing them back towards what they do best and that's bringing through the youngsters and maybe that period where they experimented with more experienced players uh you know is, is coming to an end 
Well, that's the only thing I want to jump onto that with JJ is just to say for me, when are Ajax going to be that club that keeps these players? Because we've seen them and we've been fortunate to see so many top players come through the Ajax academy, the Ajax system, and they get sold on. At what point are Ajax going to draw the line to say, right, we want to keep a core of players there to be Never. competitive and to be that yeah. pass master again? But why it's not? Never. The culture why? now. Never. They make too much money. It's a business now. It's not, it's like he said, it's a culture of selling players. If you think of any successful Ajax team that they've had, they have sold their best players and they've only won uh, the but Champions there's... League previously because the kids were young before they were sold. So if you get a group, group of players and you're lucky that these are uh, good enough to compete with the best in Europe, which will most likely never, ever happen again because of the money being spent elsewhere, Nigel, I just don't see it ever happening. I think that's a selling club. It's a business which is incredibly successful. Nigel, they made 250 million euros in the summer by selling players. It's insane. You you can't compete with that. You got a comment? Nigel is frozen. We finally managed to shut him up. <laughs> that's a mic drop to break. That is the perfect, perfect segue. <laughs> I love it. All right, let's take a quick break. Oh when we return, let's take a look at Group C and Group B. We'll hope that Nigel Rio Coker is back. That face was just priceless right there. You're watching House of Champions. We'll be right back. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. Well, if you just so happen to be looking for a one-month free Paramount Plus action, you came to the right place. P-Plus, they have a one-month free trial. Offer code is UEFA22. Scan the QR code right there on the top corner of the screen or follow the link in the description. Yes, that's right. You can get one-month free Paramount Plus action. Match day six might be almost over. You can enjoy tomorrow's matches. we got so much more to offer ahead of the World Cup. And after the World Cup, you can also enjoy the Champions League when it does return. Uh, welcome back to House of Champions enjoy here alongside my good friends Michael LaHood and Jonathan Johnson for some reason Nigel Rio Coker did not enjoy the conversation enough to stay with us he is now frozen and disappeared we hope he will be joining us once again but we're going to turn our attention to Group C action uh, Bayern, Bayern Munich getting the win against Inter Milan Barcelona got a victory by four goals to do against Pilsen Bayern Munich 100% record uh, Benjamin Pavard on the score sheet fourth goal for him across all competitions also scored against Barcelona on match day five Eric Maxim Chupo Moting, seven goals in his last six games across all competitions. JJ, both of these players you are incredibly familiar with, but Bayern Munich, they have proven me wrong by doing things the way they know how to do it. They have scored in each of their last 22 home matches in the Champions League, setting a new club record, JJ. Phenomenal stuff from Bayern, considering Lewandowski is no longer there. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, sort of machine-like uh, from Bayern. And I think that's probably the most impressive thing because we've debated whether this Bayern side is really, uh, you know, really sort of has that wow factor or had that wow factor at the beginning of the season. Obviously, they're starting to find themselves now more and more. Good to see Sadio Mane, you know, starting to, to bed in. Um, you know, but I think... It is really impressive the way that Bayern, these these kind of games don't phase them. I mean, okay, you know, we're talking at the end of the day about, you know, quite a prestigious matchup, but one that really didn't have anything on the line. You know, both teams knew they were through, but, you know, Bayern, these big stages that, you know, it just doesn't phase them. It's just another match. Uh, Fantastic goal by Chupa Moting. Big, big fan of him, obviously, from his time at PSG. Uh, You know, nice to see him, you know, winning a bit of respect as well with the goals that he's scoring recently, because I think a lot of people, had kind of seen him as a novelty over the last couple of years, you know, because of that move to PSG being really unexpected. But he is, I mean, okay, it's maybe difficult to see him as a nailed-on starter for Bayern like it was at PSG as well. But he is a very, very valuable squad player. And, you know, he doesn't just score sort of, you know, these cruddy little tap-ins at the end of games. He's capable of scoring some really nice goals, as we saw tonight. Uh, You know know my feelings on on, on Bayern's almost essentially you know, all French backline. Pavard, I think, is always going to be more of an attacking threat than a, a defensive uh, stalwart. So, you know, to to see him sort of, you know, throwing things back to, to 2018 when he was in fine goal-scoring form, good to see. Uh, you know, but I do think that Bayern still have a bit of work to do going into the knockout phase. You know, still a few, uh, you know, uh, kinks to iron out, but things are looking a lot more positive now than they were, say, a month ago when we were debating whether Bayern might be one of the teams that dropped out. Well, someone who has some kinks to work out as well. Let's welcome him back, ladies and gentlemen, Nigel Rio Coker, back to the show. <laughs> Technology is not his friend, but we'll get him there. By- there. Oh, you guys are great. Just do something before we jump He's, into it, Michael. He, he yeah. twinkled it. He just yeah, he saw the prediction <laughs> list. He saw the prediction list and he saw that Ian Joy is no longer bottom of the table and it froze Ooh. him in time. That's what it was. <laughs> oh, Go on, Michael. Shook. He shook. No, what I love about this Bayern team, mind you, mind you, Bayern, we're talking about predictions. I picked Bayern Munich to win it all this year. So they're making me look very good. We can rewind the tape because I keep receipts in my back pocket throughout this Champions <laughs> League run in. Thank you very much. But with this Bayern team, this is a Bayern team that's going up against an Inter team that's in in good form. Inter didn't start well, but the Champions League has been their lifeline. And in this, in this Bayern, yes, they created chances. They only had, what, about three, four shots on goal, 15 shots total in the first half. Well, this is a Bayern team that if you don't take your chances, they are lethal. No Musiala, no Thomas Muller, Serge Gnabry, who's been in form as well, coming off the bench. But they can still retain... Solid players, Mane still on the field, and now that belief and confidence is becoming contagious with even their B team. Jo- Joshua Kimmich, this guy is a player in midfield, and he's just gone from strength to strength, dictating things. But when you have a striker in Chupamoting, uh, I go back to a point in World Cup qualification where I think he rediscovered himself. He was one of the players that booked and punched Cameroon's ticket. I love it because he's going to be one of the players, one of the unsung heroes to keep an eye on if Cameroon are going to be successful, not just Bayern Munich this season. Nigel? No, I think for me, you know, JJ and Michael were very well renowned in the respecting everything that's been said about what's been said about Bayern Munich and players-wise and the analysis that comes with JJ and the, the stars. I think for me, it's I, I believed a little bit of 
Ian's Kool-Aid about Bayern slightly at the start, <laughs> even though I was like Michael and I did pick Bayern to win it all. You know what comes with Bayern Munich, with what they are. And I think right now they're finding their form. One thing I must say is I probably haven't given them as much respect as they deserve really and truly. You look at the bigger picture of what they're doing. They're beating Inter Milan home and away. They're beating Barcelona home and away. They're beating top caliber sides, finishing the group stage with a perfect record. And I think that there's not been a lot of attention really paid to them. When you look at how difficult that group was, when the groups came out, we said that was the group of death. That was the group that was going to be fake focused on. But Bayern Munich made it look so easy to get through into the next stage. And they're just showing the quality and the caliber of what the club is about and what they're about. And I think for me personally, I'll just have to say, I didn't give them as much respect as they deserve. And I think we need to really pay attention to those results because they're yeah. really statement wins for the quality of opposition that they faced against. Do you know what the problem I think was, Nigel? And one of the reasons why I predicted that there was something wrong with there. You sell a Lewandowski or he wants to leave for whatever reason he wants to leave and try something new. I'm worried about where these goals are coming from. They didn't have any problem scoring goals. If I'm not mistaken, they scored like 18, 19 goals in the group stage. What I am noticing about Bayern Munich more than anything else under Nagelsmann is defensively, they're getting freaking better, man. They only conceded two goals, I think, in this uh, six group games. It's just fantastic to watch them try to improve in, in different areas where I never thought possible. Bayern have always been a free-flowing team that love to attack, that love to get forward. But defensively, they've brought in some new faces. is getting better, even though he's had a slow start to his Bayern career. But they have made some signings, young players in particular, that they're trying to implement their ideas and relying also on the experience that they've got within that group. It takes time for that chemistry to gel, defensively, offensively, and in midfield. And if you look at the weapons they have, I don't think Michael LaHood is too far away from predicting that Bayern Munich could potentially cause a lot of problems. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm crazy for thinking this now, but it's very, certainly proven me a hell of a lot wrong. And watching the, the Bundesliga, had it not been for a last-minute winner from Union Berlin, they'd be top of the Bundesliga right now as well. So it's certainly looking rosies right now for Bayern Munich. Anything else to add before we move on to Barcelona and the La Liga losers? Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, it's going to lead us into that because I'm kind of wondering, you know, is are we really talking about Barca in the same calibre? Uh, you know, of opponents as as some of the other top teams in the Champions League at the moment. The collection of stars there, yes, they have a collection of, you know, very, very talented footballers, but where they are sort of in their development at the moment, I I, I you, dispute that. But JJ, can you really say it's a development? Because we're looking at squad for squad and players and everything like that. Let's be real. They, they, like, they're not renowned for um, producing not world-class talent. They're producing top-class talent already from the academy system. And you look at yeah. their squad, Barcelona have a very good squad they sh where they should be competitive in this competition. So we can't really say, oh, they're not there. No, they are there. I agree. It's just not working out. And then when you get Lewandowski, as Ian just said, when you when Bayern Munich lose a player like him and Barcelona get a player like Lewandowski, that expectancy and that burden goes to another level. And they should have made it out of that group for the group stages, at least. At least the minimum, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's you, there, there's different there's different ways to look at it, but you know, I guess I'm maybe basing my opinion on Barca sort of over the last three to five years when you know, in my opinion, they have dropped off as a as a power on the continent and they're not one of the best teams in Europe. I think they have one of the best squads in Europe on paper now after a very bizarre summer, but uh, you know, for me, I kind of I, I'm waiting to be really impressed. 
by Barca, uh, you know, in, mm. in terms of, you know, how this squad is coming together. I feel everything has come together very, very quickly, very dramatically uh, and needs success in a very short space of time for it to be anywhere, uh, you know, close to, to maintainable for, for, for Barca. But I guess that leads us into the whole debate on La Liga and sort of where, you know, La Liga actually stands in Europe at this moment in time. If you take away that Real Madrid Champions League success last season, you know, how how successful have has La Liga been on sort of the European front in the, you know, in the last season or so? Well, via, via Real made the semi-final yeah. last year, did it not? Yeah, yes. yeah. I, I think I think La Liga is still the, the the standard bearer for European competition. They've proven that in the last. Yes, English teams have made a bit I of a push to get back in. I won't call them the standard bearer, though, Mike. Look at how many teams have been in the last decade. How many teams have won or made the finals in European competition? Okay, Predominantly in comparison teams. to the English Premier League as well, the amount of English Premier League teams that make it to the last four at least and everything in finals as no, well. The finals, not the last four, not the last eight, the finals. Spanish teams, until English teams consistently do that, or other teams, yes, a Liverpool have their turn. Yes, a Chelsea City do it in 2020. But Madrid come and do it. Madrid's been in the finals. It feels like every yeah, other Madrid year is the, in the finals. Madrid is the only flag before that, Barca before that. In the last decade, La Liga is the European standard. What I what I think with this Barcelona team and their La Liga struggles, the pressure, the pressure is so paramount on this team, on this group. They have an amazing squad. And that Madrid game, that El Clasico, everything was put in that bucket. The Bayern game, they outplayed Bayern. And the pressure just seemed to mount so much on Lewandowski's shoulders so much on these players' shoulders that it was just too much. I just wonder, now that they're in the Europa League, the pressure and the expectation is to win it all. And it's almost as if they don't win by six goals, it's a failure. And Mm -hmm. no other team is really playing with that sense of pressure this season. Maybe a handful of others, maybe City, because they have Erlen Holland, but Barcelona, their financial situation, how they've gone about getting players, the expectation is through the roof. And I think that'll break these players by season end. I mean, I think the temptation as well is just to talk about Barca and Real because the the malaise for La Liga teams goes deeper than them. You know, Sevilla are not the power that they they once yeah. have were in the Champions League, where they look like they might be capable of competing. Sure, they're dropping down to <clears throat> down to the Europa League, so uh, you know that is sort of more their level in terms of sort of this kind of exclusivity they seem to have with the Europa League. But I mean. Looking at Atleti, I mean, Atleti are not a, a European quality team uh, at the moment uh, in the way that they're playing. It's They should be considering some of the players that they can put up. But I mean, you look at that table to, to get pipped to third by Leverkusen. I mean, I was kind of hopeful that Leverkusen would come off when we talked about it through the predictions. But really, I I didn't actually believe that Atleti would finish bottom of that group. And, and here we are. That that to me is quite a worrying sign for La Liga. The third best team, you know, dropping out of Europe completely. Yeah, that's... But JJ, you, it's not even just dropping out of Europe completely. The performances hmm. were absolutely embarrassing. That's what it is. It wasn't even like a fighting performance. It wasn't anything that you could say was an identity of an Atletico Madrid side that we've been so used to seeing. That's the more worrying thing. And even yep. watching Diego Simeone's body language on the sideline of the game, normally he's he's, he's, he's always looks uh, lost. very dramatic, yeah. but he looked lost. Like everything the players did, he was trying to be positive. So you could see that 
He's already tried to give them the resounding speech, the rah-rah line on the chest, that that wasn't working. That now everything they did, even if it wasn't great, he was trying to be positive. Yeah, come on, get back again. And that's not the Diego Simeone that we know. It literally is it no like fight, Nigel? Love. No fight, no desire, yeah. no commitment for the coach now? Mm. I think that he knows that it, it's, it's, it's either, they, like I said, it's either they do a complete rebuild at the club or they move on for someone else new and something fresh. Because even Jao Felix's face on the bench when he got taken off, he yeah. looked lost like, I need to leave this place. And you've got a, a returning Benfica player, ex-Benfica player, going to Porto, and they were embarrassed. Porto looked like a bunch of professionals who were playing in the park and just enjoying themselves and having fun. And for me, it's not <laughs> yeah. the fact it's Atletico's out. It's how they went about being out, JJ, for me. And it's just embarrassing in the performances that I've seen. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Ian. I think you, you hit it right on the head. I think the belief in the fight in the Simeone way is done. You look at the goals that Porto scored, and a big day for Canada, by the way. Ustakio getting the goal mm -hmm. for all Canada, and Alfonso Davies getting an assist. Not too bad for the Canucks. But back to Atleti, because I'm going to hammer them, absolutely hammer them. The effort, if you could do 1 to 10, was negative 20. On the goals, it, it just, the belief is gone. Heads low. And they're playing back when Simeone really got this team going. 4-4-2, two banks of four. It, everyone knew their role. It was connected. Um, almost you could you could move the team around like they're all tethered to a string, fighting, hitting on the counter. This is now a team that when they give up a goal, you just know the impending doom is coming. And they couldn't even get a goal of their own. They got an own goal. I thought they were getting an Olympico to close out things. It just sums up their group stage and just sums up where there are. If you talk about there's something's not right with any team, Something is clearly not right with Atleti. It's oof, it's going to be a long season. I want to wrap with a positive, if that's okay. I mean, Porto and Brugge went th positive. through in this group. And, and to, to me, it was absolutely fantastic to see the way Porto performed throughout this group stage. And, and Brugge in particular, I mean, outstanding to see these two clubs do so well to go through. So let's finish on the positive in Group B. They deserve to go through. They were the two best teams. They were two most enjoyable teams to watch. We'll keep this one quickly, but let's just run through it quickly. JJ, you go, Nigel, and then Mike. I want to hear your opinions on those two just getting through and, and really creating history. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, deserved. I think Porto are exactly how an established Champions League club should be. They don't always have the strongest squads, but, you know, they have that culture. The players know that when they go to Porto, they're going to be expected to challenge for domestic titles and to be competitive in Europe. And they never give, uh, you know, less than, uh, you know, a a good account of themselves. You know, you never really see them get embarrassed. Sure, they might have you know, the occasional bad result and, and a bit of a blowout, but they never really disgrace themselves. Uh, and I think Brugge, Brugge is just, they're, they're one of the feel-good stories uh, at the Great moment. You know, to see a Belgian club, uh, you know, perform like that in the group stage, getting themselves through, it's, uh, you know, I, I think it's really commendable. It's a shame for them they didn't manage to close out top spot, but still second place, uh, you know, and finishing comfortably above the likes of uh, Bayer Leverkusen and Atleti. That's, you know, definitely a big feather in their cap. No, I, listen, I agree with JJ. Sorry, Mike. I was just going to say, I think it's great. Great. I think for me, Porto are fantastic to watch today. You know, really fantastic to watch. And when a club's doing so well, we're playing fantastic, great football. There was a freedom and a belief. And they're just expressing themselves within, within that system. It really is good. And everything that JJ said is right. There's an expectancy when you play for Porto. They don't have the big strength in depth as a Manchester City, a Bayern Munich, or one of those historic clubs, as we would say. 
but they've got enough to really be competitive. And sometimes you just need the lock of the draw and for it to be in your favour. I think Club Bruja, we give them credit for what they're doing. And I think we don't understand how difficult it is to do what they do. Because yep. you look at the young squad and you look at the recruiting, that plays a part. But what Club Bruges do, JJ, and everyone on this panel knows is, they've gone out there and worked to it. They've made it, they've made it not so easy, but they've made it look easy. Other clubs can copy that blueprint because there's a lot of young talent in some of these big clubs where they'll never get the opportunity. If you get the network in place, there's other clubs that can emulate what Club Bruges are doing and be just as competitive. Yep. I think what I love from both these teams that they're modeling is these young players, there's an excitement and appetite to go and and almost have the audacity to put on a show. If you look at how both teams played against Atleti, they wiped them off the park. When I look at the, the going to the Metropolitano, Wanda Metropolitano Stadium, they had some of their best performances in this group stage from a Club Brugge standpoint their commitment to defending it's a well-oiled machine every single player knows their role even watching today's match against Leverkusen it was pragmatic practical in a lot of ways but as the game wore on as Leverkusen were more desperate to get something out of the game just seeing players and maybe it's a CONCACAF bias that I have today with O Canada but Tejan Buchanan that's a type of club that if you're a young player leaving estates or or young player going anywhere and you want to get your feet wet and ply your trade at a, at a solid club, learn how to be a professional at the highest level and then have a transfer to somewhere else to continue your career. Clubs like that, I'm all for it. I think the game needs clubs like Club Brugge to thrive in competitions like the Champion Champ for FC Porto, Taremi. This guy, why isn't the club going after him? I think mm-hmm. after this season, could it be his last season? This guy scores goals in the Champions League, scored goals last season, doing it again this season. Love watching him play. Yeah, I mean, incredible to see his goals. Five Champions League goals in his last three Champions League games. 12 goals for him personally across all competitions this season. So watch out at the World Cup and let's see what he's all about. But you have to give credit to Porto. Let's not forget they conceded a goal against Atleti. And then the 100th minute in match day one, they lost match day two, 4-0, embarrassed by Brugge, and then won the last four group games to top the group. So big credit to Porto, big credit to Brugge for going through. And credit to you boys as well. Awesome stuff as always. We appreciate you. Excellent stuff. We look forward to doing this once again tomorrow to everybody else out there. But thank you so much, everyone, for listening to House of Champions. Please make sure you take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. We're also available, unfortunately, for Nigel Rio Coker on video. So subscribe to us on YouTube. And when Nigel's video doesn't freeze, <laughs> we're normally pretty good to go on YouTube. Thanks, boys. We'll see you again tomorrow. We'll be back right after the full-time whistle to wrap things up for match day six of the Champions League as the group stage finishes. But we thank you all so much for your comments. Thank you for all your questions and, and keep that coming. Keep making sure you're spreading the love as much as you possibly can. Tell your friends, tell your granny, doesn't matter who it is. Let them know that we are out here. We're continuing to grow the show for you personally. We want this to be your show as well. So make sure you join in the conversation as much as we can. We'll see you all tomorrow after the full-time whistle. Returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town. 
And they brought the flake. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+.